hate to break up such lively conversation, but um, hopefully I, I'm not so boring that you keep having the conversation while I'm still speaking. I can see everything from up here, so trust me. I will see you if you do that. <laughs> still, that's probably better than people nodding off, and that has happened. So my worst experience of that was three people asleep in, in, in the same message. So... <laughs> In a small congregation. <laughs> Lots of experience over the years, let me tell you. So everything in me wanted to scream, wake up! But I restrained myself saying, oh no, that person's so tired and this person is very old and this person had a head injury. So, <laughs> and I just plowed on regardless. <laughs> the show must go on. I'm a trooper, if nothing else. Well, I'm Fran and... Um, Vic is pastor of the congregation here, and um, I used to be co-pastor with him, then I got a new job, so I'm still married to him, but I'm not so much uh, involved in the ministry here on a day-to-day basis, and so I feel it's a bit of a privilege, actually, to be speaking to you this morning and given uh, this chance to to share some thoughts. And um, so we're working through, uh, over the next few weeks, really kind of our our, um, Shaw Vineyard saying, which is loving God and loving others, and... um, Oh man, that rolls off the tongue so easily, doesn't it? Loving God, loving others. It's the easiest thing in the world to say. Um, last week, uh, Vic took us towards seeing the other. You know, it's, it's not really about looking, it's about really seeing. What do you see when you gaze at somebody? You know, when you've actually looked into another person's eyes, however different they are from you, you see them much differently. And... Um, there's also another place of looking from, and that's sort of our heart. The Bible talks a lot about the eyes of our heart. And uh, I guess in vineyard churches, when we pray and we encourage people to keep their eyes open, we're, we're inviting people not to look with their mind, look with their, their everyday eyes, but to look with a, an open, loving space from somewhere else in our being and to see what you see. How you see that person from there is quite different. And uh, you should practice it. It's amazing. So, seeing the other was last week, and this morning we're talking about relating to one another. Um, And so, just before we begin, I'd like just for us to have a moment in prayer together, if that's okay. Loving God, it's a big topic today. They're big topics every week. Life is big. Everything can seem big. So I ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you'd bring it down to maybe just one thing for one person something manageable, something beautiful, something healing or something doable. We trust you for that. Thank you for uh, being able to gather this way and in your name. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Amen. So when Sandy said to me, relating to one another was my topic, I felt this wave of panic and I actually literally bleated to him and said, but I'm not very good at that. (laughs) And he just leaned towards me in a very sandy way and said quietly, none of us are. That's why we're talking about it. (laughs) Apologies for the accent, but... (laughs) But really, I was so comforted by that. None of us are that good of it. None of us are that good at it. So that's why we're talking about it. So this is a sermon to myself. Um, but I dare say you're probably a bit like me. So listen out for the bits that touch you and just run with those. I thought it was quite revealing that I felt so inadequate, uh, that I only wanted to be in front of you all and talk about something I was good at, uh, stuff that I could feel on top of or had mastery of in some way. Uh, And I guess underneath that means that really just I want to look good 
to you guys, or at least, at the very least, feel good about being in front of you and what I'm saying. But that would be the opposite, wouldn't it, of what the apostles and the early church fathers and mothers had in mind when they urged us to gather together, to be sure to do that, to be the church, the ecclesia, the gathered ones. So we kind of have to come before one another in vulnerability and weakness, or we're not actually coming together at all. And a a refusal to hide from one another is a hallmark of our faith. We refuse to hide. We are going to be open with each other. So I stand in front of you today not feeling very on top of things and wondering as I look around where so many people who used to be here went and, and noticing the pain of some of those absences and seeing so many of you here and wondering where did you come from? It's amazing. Pretty much everyone here will have their own story of how church people have been both the best and the worst of their Christian experience. Um, I reckon that probably you could pick one person who would say of this church, I was lonely and nobody noticed. I was depressed. Nobody came to be with me. I was bereaved. Nobody cared. I needed prayer, and not one person offered. And you could find another person who could save exactly the same group of people and church. I was lonely, and people reached out to me. I was depressed, and people didn't give up on me. I was bereaved, and people expressed their sorrow at my loss. I needed prayer. And I received it. So maybe we're completely inconsistent. Or maybe we are just a bunch of humans doing our best at getting along. With people with whom we have no blood kinship. No working alliances. We're not a sports team straining towards some kind of championship. We have no ulterior motives for being together. What binds us, the only thing that binds us, is shared faith in Jesus. That's our kinship connection. It's a pretty crazy idea. Who thought putting a group of people who have nothing in common except faith in Jesus in a room and telling them to meet regularly would be the way to change the world? Why did it change the world is probably another question. The answer to that is because no one had ever done it before. All those groups of people in the first century, uh, in the cities and nations of the early church, all the Ithians, the Scythians, barbarians, the Greeks, Romans, Parthians, Ethiopians, Ephesians, Galatians, and all the rest of them, uh, they did not, could not, would not ever mix with Jews. And uh, the same probably was initiated from that Jewish end of that equation. But when the Holy Spirit arrived at Pentecost... And the Jewish followers of Jesus found themselves speaking the languages of the Ithians without ever having learned them. That was a bit of a moment. And then it became increasingly clear, you know, Peter's vision of the unclean animals and all that sort of stuff, that God intended all people to be in on the God story, which went making some adjustments for the Jewish believers who'd always avoided anyone who was other. 
Dagnabbit. God put the other right there in the church and then told them all to get along, which is how God makes family. It ain't comfortable, but by cracky, it can be beautiful. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is from a man who knew a lot about doing life with others. Why have we gone right to the end? Can you just pop the next slide on? Thanks, Debbie. No, that's the end one. Next one. Ah, there we go. Thank you. Maybe it was my fault. Um, yeah, Henry Nowen lived with disabled people. So he was a Harvard professor, highly intelligent, wonderful priest and wonderful man. But he says he, he learned the most. His greatest teacher was this man, Adam, with whom he lived in community and did all of the deeply personal things that a disabled person needs doing for them. Adam taught Henry everything worthwhile knowing about doing life in community. And it wasn't easy by any means. And so he has this classic quote, which I absolutely love. Um, he says, community is the place where the one person you don't want to be with always lives. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> oh my gosh, that has made me laugh quite a few times. It's so true. So it might seem wonderful to be immersed in relationships that have no sort of jangly bits, where everybody seems to agree upon everything. But that isn't real. And interestingly, you don't see it in the Bible, which I think is a really good reason for trusting the Bible. <laughs> um, because the people in it think, say, and do the terrible things that we think, say, and do. That makes it a very reliable document, according to me. And the thing is that without struggle or challenge, what happens is we go into atrophy. Skinny little undeveloped muscles there. We need others to sharpen our thinking, to deepen our faith, to strengthen our resolve, or to affirm or challenge our sense of call. If everyone is nice, then we're probably in trouble. But being with one another is hard. I mean, who would voluntarily sign up for regular weekly relational challenges on Sunday mornings and at a midweek home group? Apparently quite a few of us. <laughs> I think that's quite brave. <laughs> I love G.K. Chesterton. He, he put it so beautifully um, Oops, when he said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. <laughs> it is difficult, this Christian ideal of loving one another. But I reckon we're trying. Chesterton says it's difficult. I think we would all agree with that. So let's look at where some of the difficulties lie. <laughs> One of the difficulties lies in getting past the superficial. But I'm going to go towards that in a slightly paradoxical way, because I am a great fan of small talk. I'm all for it. Someone once said to me, I have no time for small talk. I can't be bothered with it. I was shocked. But I wisely said, if you have not made the small talk, how will you ever make the big talk? It was his turn to be shocked. I had him there, you see. Never trust a person who only wants to talk the big talk, who only wants to go straight 
to these hefty, big topics, they're not normal. (laughs) We make small talk over coffee and cake and things, and as we do that, we get to know each other and trust each other a bit. That's what the coffee and cake are for. Adults need this kind of help. So try and stop your kids getting to the cake before we do, because we need it. We can't function socially (laughs) without the cake and the coffee to have those small talk, catch up, reconnect kind of conversations. And besides, we can't do it with wine, so we need coffee and cake. So that's what it does. It's a marvellous thing, the small talk with coffee and cake after the service. It performs a really wonderful function. And we find out in the chat, don't we, that the kids have been sick, or the job has gone well, or the exam is looming. And we can go from there to, what did the doctor say about the kid that is sick? Or, you are the right person for the job. Someone said that to me last week. It was terrific. I loved it. Or, how is it going with your studies for the exam that is looming? And then, well, it could go anywhere, couldn't it? Small talk is a dangerous thing because it can go anywhere. It goes deeper and deeper into a person's actual life. It becomes the big talk. It can become friendship. It can even become prayer. I know it's difficult to have a proper catch-up on a Sunday, but the small talk moments can lead to bigger moments of connection later. All you have to do is get out your phone and make the date, make the time make the arrangement. That's how human relationships deepen. Another difficulty is, what do you do once you've already had your one of these? I know, tempting, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're not having it. So the first week you come, it may seem hard because it's always hard coming to something unknown, isn't it? Nobody likes that particularly. And you're new. But in some ways, I think the harder thing is when you're not a visitor anymore and you're just merely new. We have lovely people who will meet and greet people as they arrive. And as Vic said last week, some of us will remember your names and your kids' names. This isn't a system. We don't have an app for it or a computer program, just our memory and and an interest in you. Let's call that our heart. We are relying on the development of human relationship along natural lines of connection. That probably sounds a bit freakish. And the truth is it often fails. But we don't want a system. We prefer relationship. We don't want to put you on a flow chart or check in on your connection process along some kind of track. But we also don't want you to drop through the cracks anonymously. The difficulty of moving past the chocolate bar greeting probably is solved by small talk that leads to bigger talk, leading to discovery of common ground, an invitation to coffee or lunch, finding those who care about the things that you care about, joining in at the points that are life-giving for you and creating some life-giving points of your own that you can invite someone into because you bring your gifts, your experience, your stories to all of us. We're glad you came. We hope you'll stay. Some of the things we do that you might like 
are, our love for Cambodia and its people, our obsession with shoeboxes, our desire to balance the difficult thing of being middle class and still help the poor of the North Shore with our food bank and Christmas shop, which we've been doing for years, the emerging ministry of our Good Works Trust, we have various midweek groups. We have mainly music, which is incredible. We have youth group, of which one has to say, depending on how old you are, it's awesome, it's sick, it's epic, it's <laughs> dope. I don't know what the... <laughs> I've run out. <laughs> it's dope. That's where, that's where I've landed. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that will mean nothing to some of you, I know. I'm not sure it means anything to me, to be honest. <laughs> And among us as individuals, you know, we have people who hike, who surf, who hunt, who embroider, who read, who cycle, who bake, who make sushi or borovors, who paint, plant trees, go fishing, make music, build, garden, go camping, do yoga, brew kombucha. Kombucha. I like that word. All of this is God-given and spiritual and wonderful. We also worship God and pray and come together like this. So let's chat our way to deeper relationships and discoveries. So Chesterton says, the Christian ideal had not been, has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. So another difficult thing is when things don't work out between us or something bad happens. What can I say about this? Vic and I have been here the longest. We planted this church. A lot of stuff has happened over the years. Some of you will remember some of it. We've been to court with our friends and church leaders. Turns out the husband was a paedophile. Vic had to testify against him in two court cases. I had to be the support person for the little girls. We had to nurse our congregation through the shock and the wounds. There have been lovely people whose marriages weren't lovely. And we've all felt the pain of that and sometimes the sense of betrayal. We felt bewildered at the suffering of those whose mental health has crumbled. Our building fund was misappropriated by a trusted friend and then later restored. We have heard over the years that our trousers are too tight, our sermons too light, our service too unruly, the music too loud, the building too cold, the church too small or the church too big. Nobody has said more hellos and goodbyes than we have. I'll be completely honest with you. Sometimes this has been terrifically hard. Other times I simply haven't cared. That's what scares me. I want to care, but caring means open to being hurt. It means vulnerability. Gah! Vulnerability. Nobody likes that very much. Hmm. But it also means being open to love and being loved, and love is transformative. And that's why those early gatherings changed the world. People who never should have loved each other actually did. So, I have a bit of a thing for older men. No, just let you do it. Fine, good. St. John, thank you very much. <laughs> or old guy. There you go, older men. 
these old saints. That's not really St. John, but you'll get it in a moment. St. John wrote the Gospel of St. John, three letters, one, two, and three John, that's easy enough, and arguably, and I am planting my feet in his camp, uh, was the one who received the, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not revelations. It is the revelation of Christ. It's amazing and freaky. John's message over and over is love, all through his writing. He uses the phrase, love one another, something like 30 times. He was loved by Jesus and he knew it. He recognized that the love we're invited to participate in is the love that exists between the Father and the Son. And he heard Jesus say it at the Last Supper when Jesus said to his closest friends, and up it will come, little children, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Pretty familiar verse to many of us, I'm sure. The word there, little children, is just one word in Greek. It's technion. It is the most tender endearment that it's possible to use for small children. He's saying this to his adult friends. I thought, what is the most tender phrase I could come up with for this? And I came up with my little darlings. My little darlings, love one another. It's not a cold, ruthless command. It's the voice of love. And this moment stays with John, this dinner, and Jesus saying this to them and to him. Um, He remembers it as long as he lives. John, who stayed at the cross through Jesus' suffering when none of the other disciples did, who was at the tomb on the morning of the resurrection, who was in the upper room at Pentecost, who witnessed Jesus' ascension and return to the Father, John's brother James was murdered after um, Jesus ascended, so he was the first Christian martyr. John traveled the Near East and established churches. He also cared for Jesus' mother until her death. He was exiled by the emperor Domitian to the island of Patmos. And on his release, he was asked by the people of Ephesus to be the bishop of their churches because St. Paul had been beheaded, martyred. And so they asked John to be that for them. He loved and served the people and his Lord into great old age. And in his early 90s, if we have the old picture back, things, he'd be carried into the church in Ephesus on a litter. He was too frail to walk. He couldn't conduct the service anymore. But he would call out from his litter, I'm imagining this, in the middle of the service at the most annoying moments because old people can get away with a lot. And I'm really looking forward to that. He didn't care who was leading the service. Anytime he felt like it, he'd he'd be calling out, little darlings, love one another. Little darlings, love one another. This wasn't just once or twice in a service. He would do it week after week. Um, People found this irritating, surprising. (laughs) In the end, some of them summoned the courage to actually approach him and to say, Father, why do you say this thing to us over and over? Little darlings love one another. And he looked at them, and maybe remembering that night before the crucifixion, that dinner, where Jesus had said in such a heartfelt way to him and to those in the room, little darlings love one another. So the old man replies to these young ones, 
to their question, why do you say this to us over and over, little darlings? Love one another. He said, because it is the Lord's command. If you only do this, it is enough. If you only do this, it is enough. And he probably had begun to see people layering on all sorts of unnecessary things to the message of Jesus. He said, this is enough. It's all we need. All we need to do. Loving each other through the differences, beyond the boundaries of all that the culture says is acceptable. Perhaps even beyond the boundaries of what the so-called Christian culture says is acceptable. Love is the only thing we are capable of that really means anything to Jesus. And you might say to me, well, this story isn't in the Bible. You'd be quite right. But it comes to us from Irenaeus, who was John's disciple, who told it to Polycarp, who was Irenaeus's disciple. And Polycarp, at the age of 82 or 3, was burned to death for his faith in Jesus, who could go through something like that and say, I think this story might be true. It's the gospel The church fathers have passed it down to us as a true thing. So on that basis, little darlings, love one another. If you do this, it is enough. I'm prepared to give love another go. I'm signing up again for the only thing that is enough, which is loving you guys. Are you with me? All righty. So N.T. Wright has this to say as we come into land, paraphrased a little bit. He says, we, the church, are the multi-ethnic family of God. We're born out of God's spirit. Ideally, Christian ideal again, ideally every Christian should belong to a group that's small enough that you can be known personally, cared for, and especially to pray in meaningful depth for one another. And also to a fellowship that's large enough to contain wide variety in members. Don't be all samey-samey. Variety in styles of worship even, and kingdom activity, different things that we're doing. So that is kind of what the church is. So I'd like you to look under your seat. This is my Oprah moment. Let's have a little look. You don't all get something. Sorry about that. There you go. Anybody find anything under their seat? Oh, yep, the ripping of tape. Yes. Sarah just got one at last. Okay. <laughs> Wade. Woo. Stanley. Chris. Shirley. Okay. All right. Well, you're going to have to sort of squeeze in together. Today, we are all recipients of the welcome chocolate. Okay. Yes. Let's, let's start at square one today. Let's all be new to church today. So if you have a welcome bar, it's your job to open the chocolate and share it with those around you. So this is going to get messy. You're going to need to sort of squeeze up, move around. Have you got one over there? All right, there you go. Yep, head together, wave it around so that people know where to go. Because we need to form groups, people. So before, you, before I lose you entirely into the chocolate haze, 
I want you to introduce yourselves to one another if you don't know each other's names. And then I want you to pray for each other, which is the point, really. Okay, so with our last slide, these are the things that you can consider to pray for. If you have been hurt by Christians or by the church, or you're sad about something that has happened in church, maybe somebody left and and that still hurts, okay, ask the people with you who you're sharing chocolate with to pray for you about that. If you are new or newish, the others are to pray a welcome prayer for you. Okay, And if you're a regular and you've been here for yonks, then the others are to bless you. And we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to give you, you'll have to do short prayers, and you've got about six minutes. So go for it. <laughs>